Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby. We are thankful that you have joined us today. This is the work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We're located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. You can reach us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, That You May Grow Thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. I am Greg Littmer, one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. I'm Jacob Taylor, one of the evangelists. I'm Ross Oldenkamp, also an evangelist. And today we find ourselves still in the city of Jerusalem with Jesus and his apostles celebrating the Feast of the Tabernacles. We are just about six months away from the death of Jesus and he has set his face toward Jerusalem. Most of what we will be seeing from this point onward takes place either in Jerusalem or in the region of Judea. So it's something that we need to consider as the train begins to go fast down the track leading to the time when Jesus will give his life on the cross. We're in Matthew or excuse me John chapter 7 and we'll be looking at verses 25 through 53. Now some of them from Jerusalem said, "Is this not he whom they seek to kill?" But look, he speaks boldly, and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? However, we know where this man is from, but when the Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. Then Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple, saying, You both know me, and you know where I am from. And I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. Therefore they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. And many of the people believed in him, and said, When the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Then Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me, and where I am you cannot come. Then the Jews said among themselves, Where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What is this thing that he said, You will seek me and not find me? And where I am, you cannot come. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit has not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Therefore many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, Truly this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem, where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. Now some of them wanted to take him, 
but no one laid hands on him. Then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees, who said to them, Why have you not brought him? The officers answered, No man ever spoke like this man. Then the Pharisees answered them, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, he who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? They answered and said to him, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. And everyone went to his own house. The situation that Jesus finds himself in is indeed a very interesting situation. He is there knowing that the leaders of the Jews are in agreement for the most part that they would put Jesus to death, that they would take Jesus and slay him. And the point is that they all knew about Jesus, but they did not know about Jesus. They did not know of his divine origin. They did not know that he was God, and not knowing God, they did not know from whence Jesus came. Those listening knew exactly what Jesus meant. They knew that he was declaring them to be ignorant of God, and they reacted with a vengeance, seeking to lay hold on him. However, it was not according to God's timetable that Jesus should die yet, so their purpose was not carried out. There were many among the common people who did believe in Jesus, and they pointed to his miracles as proof of his being the Christ. When this came to the attention of the leaders of the Jews, they felt that it was time to take action. They sent the soldiers of the temple guard to arrest him. Note the following comments concerning verses 33 and 34 from McGarvey and Pendleton's The Fourfold Gospel. They said, knowing their attempt to arrest him, Jesus tells them that it is not quite time for them to accomplish their purpose. They would soon destroy Jesus, after which they would seek him in vain. Their violence would result in his return to his father. In the dark days which were about to come to the Jews would long for the Messiah, for the Christ whom they had failed to recognize as Jesus. They too would desire the heavenly rest and security of the better world, but their lack of faith would debar them from entering it. Since they did not understand, many of the Jewish leaders made light of Jesus' words. Would he go to the Jews dispersed throughout the Roman world and teach them? Would he go into hiding? Where could he go that they could not find him? Where could he go that they could not come? The last day of the feast arrived and Jesus pronounced himself living water. Uh, the Jews had 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 asked almost uh, clearly dishonestly that who is seeking to kill you? It is common knowledge. It was publicly known that they were seeking to kill Jesus. As verse 20 says, Is this not he whom they seek to kill? We saw at the beginning of chapter 7, verse 1, he didn't want to even walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. And now they're, they're claiming uh, you know, ignorance here as if no one 
You know, that's that's one of the ways that uh, that people of the world. It, it seems as though that's one of the ways that they communicate, almost like like they're trying to make you think you're crazy. <laughs> it's like, no, that's not happening. When don't believe what is clearly in front of your eyes. They, they want you to believe that you are crazy. No one is seeking to kill you. Here they are. Uh, they want to send some uh, officers to arrest him. He is clearly uh, in their crosshairs. And you know, there's a constant debate throughout this section about who is Jesus and what are the merits of believing in him. There's a constant back and forth about his uh, credentials as whether or not he could be the Messiah. It was a commonly held belief that the Messiah would would be a man of mystery, that he'd almost appear on the scene, that he'd come out of nowhere. And the fact that we know where this man is from, we know that he was from Nazareth, he grew up there, uh, in the minds of some, disqualified him, uh, as, as clearly he couldn't be, because we know his family, we know his father, he's a carpenter, and you know uh, we know his mother and his brothers. Uh, and so it's really sad to see how that uh, lack of knowledge, just, just plain old ignorance about Jesus became a cause of unbelief. When if they just had done a little bit of research, if they just looked into the matter, they could have seen, yeah, he fits the bill. He meets all of the qualifications. For example, in verse 41, when some said... Uh, Will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? I'm thinking, yes, exactly. <laughs> That's what the scripture says. Look into this man, Jesus. You will see that that is exactly where he came from. In fact, early on in Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 6, it says, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. And he was registered with, with Mary. So, yes, he's of the house of David. Yes, he is from Bethlehem. And so why, why are you spouting what Scripture says as though these things disqualify Jesus, when a little bit of uh, introspection, or when when a little bit of investigation would reveal that this is exactly who you've been looking for. In in the passage there in John chapter seven, in verses thirty-seven and thirty-eight, Jesus said, "If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said." out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. While the specific statement of verse 38 is not found in the Old Testament, when it is considered in the sense of the spiritual blessings of the Messianic age, then the idea is, is absolutely found. There are many passages that speak of the dry and barren ground abounding with water and becoming very fertile, like Isaiah chapter 53, verses 6 and 7, Isaiah 53, verse 2, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 4. 
Acts 1 and 2 describe the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the apostles and the promise of the Holy Spirit to all believers. Many of the people, hearing our Lord's words, were convinced that he was the prophet, like unto Moses, as in Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 15. Others were convinced that he was the Christ, but there was division. For others objected to these conclusions with questions about where he came from and the place of his birth and his lineage. Their objections were the result of their ignorance concerning these matters. Some were angered enough to seek Jesus, but did not. Remember that the Jewish leaders had sent officers of the temple guard to arrest Jesus. When they returned without him, they were asked why they had failed in their mission. Their answer remains as true today as it was when they first uttered it. Never man spoke like this man. The response of the Pharisees was, How could Jesus be the Christ if none of the Pharisees or rulers of the people had believed on him? Only the ignorant masses were able to be deceived. But then Nicodemus, a man who has shown a a willing heart to investigate, while not declaring himself clearly as a believer in Jesus, still called for an honest hearing and investigation of Jesus. He was met with the snide remark, Are you also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee arises no prophet. Then we're told they all went to their own homes to think about their next step and to observe the Sabbath. Now, I just want to point out two instances of the pomposity of the Pharisees. First of all, in verse 35, after Jesus had taught them a truly glorious truth about his ascension to the Father, which just clearly went right over their heads. We know this to mean that Jesus would would die on the cross, that he would be resurrected, and then that he would ascend to the Father, as we read in Acts chapter 1. And he says, when I go, you'll not be able to come after me, which should have been Uh, Just a very scary uh, truth to them. However, they sarcastically and arrogantly uh, uh, extol their their own virtuous uh, uh, separation. They just prided themselves on being completely detached and not having anything to do with those awful Gentiles where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Think of the sarcasm here. Does he intend to go to the Greeks and teach the Greeks? <laughs> can, can you just imagine? That's one place that we would never be caught dead is around those sinners, the Gentiles. And yet, you know, very soon these same Gentiles are going to become recipients of the, of the gospel and are going to believe on Jesus and believe the ministry of Paul and you know, these Jews or Pharisees who would have never had anything to do with them uh, and, and who are just mocked here uh, are going to be the ones who put to shame these who would not believe in Jesus. The next example of their uh, arrogance is seen in, uh, in their attitude about the multitude, saying, does this, cra- this crowd that does not know the law is accursed? How easy it is with a wave of a hand to just cast the entire multitude as 
as less than you are or uh, more ignorant than you are, not having the instruction, the teaching, the conviction that you do, and to just exalt yourself because of, of how great you think you are. As if to say to the officers, you know, have any of the Pharisees believed? Look, if look if this if there was anything to this, then we would have already believed. We will let you know. Uh, we, we must never be as those who exalt ourselves and to think that people need to just follow us or our example if they want to know what is right. Let's go ahead and look at the next particular event, which appears in the Gospel according to John. And it is a very, very interesting and such a revealing passage of Scripture dealing with the woman taken in adultery. And John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11 tells us this. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued talking to him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. This particular passage, I must admit, has been the object of considerable debate concerning its genuineness and its authenticity. Genuineness relates to whether or not it is a work of John or someone else. Authenticity relates to whether it is a true account or not. But even those who question its genuineness seem to accept the authenticity They believe it is a true story of an incident in the life of Jesus, but several do not accept it as genuine because many of the ancient manuscripts omit it and others put it at the end of the gospel. All of that being interesting but not particularly pertinent, after the the dispute with Nicodemus, the members of the Sanhedrin dispersed and went to their own homes. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. This was a mile-long ridge of limestone hills that parallels the eastern elevation of Jerusalem. It is separated from Jerusalem by the Kidron Valley. It has an elevation of 2,680 feet. Gethsemane, about which we will have a great deal more to say later on, was a garden east of the temple area across the Kidron Valley at the base of the Mount of Olives. Early the next morning, Jesus went into the temple, and he sat down and began to teach the people. 
The scribes and Pharisees believed that they had found a promising way to entrap him. They brought a woman, caught in the very act of adultery, and presented her before the Lord. The law of Moses was very specific concerning what was to happen in such a case. Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 10 states, And the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress, shall surely be put to death. Deuteronomy 22 and verse 22 tells us, If a man be found lying with a woman married to a husband, then they shall both of them die, both the man that lay with the woman and the woman. So shalt thou put away evil from Israel. Their question to Jesus was, What do you say? This was done to give the scribes and Pharisees a means by which to accuse Jesus. If he did not demand death as the law required, when they would accuse him before the people of setting aside and disobeying the law of Moses. But if he did demand death, then they would accuse him before Pilate as a traitor to Rome, which had issued a decree that no Jewish court could pass the death sentence without the consent of the Roman governor. Jesus did not answer them a single word. Instead, he stooped down and began to write on the ground with his finger. Yeah, I think in the in the midst of this story, seeing the um, as he talks about in verse seven, the he who was without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her, and he continues to write on the ground, and there was nothing that they they did. That the older began to leave, and then it was just the woman and Jesus there. I, I think Jesus at no point in this story says that she didn't sin but what Jesus doesn't or what Jesus does do or excuse me what Jesus does not do is um was not condemn her to death but to have her go and sin no more to have her to have her make this sin not be a habit anymore as it talks about in other places of scripture and cer- certainly I think it's what a blessing for for us in that same manner to be able to turn away from sin and sin no more, just as Jesus allowed this woman to do. You know, I think Jesus shows his wisdom yet again when it looks like he's in the middle of a catch-22 in order to expose the the hypocrisy of his uh, those trying to trap him. Um, he quotes from Deuteronomy 17, verse 7, where it says, that the hands of the witnesses shall be the first against him to put him to death, and afterward the hands of all the people. So you shall put away the evil from among you. So Jesus exposed this one little uh, part of their character, which he, I guess, understood they would not have been willing to do, because... There were no witnesses. He asked the woman, where are your accusers? No one, Lord. There are no witnesses to this. They merely have, uh, have, uh, have put together this, uh, this, this uh, difficult situation. You know, they may have heard about this woman. There was rumor that she had done this. Or they'd just taken this woman and, uh, and threw her before Jesus. But this was not according to the law. This was not a clean case. And Jesus does follow the law. He doesn't disregard Moses. 
He quotes from Moses in Deuteronomy 17, and by doing so, called their bluff, recognizing that they would not have been willing to start throwing rocks at this woman because they didn't catch her. They didn't catch her in adultery. And so, he who is without sin, I think, should be read in this matter. He, he who does not... He who would not have blood on his hands by throwing rocks at this woman, uh, go ahead and throw throw stones at her then. And they that's the reason I think they walk away in shame, is because they are convicted of their own sin. And the fact that the oldest leave first probably is a, a tribute to maybe them being more humble than the young stubborn uh, individuals who later are uh, also walking away. I think it's interesting and it it speaks truly to the mindset of the individuals involved. This woman, they said, was caught in the very act. Well, as I read the old law, both the man and the woman were to be put to death. But they made the point of bringing only the woman and there had to have been another involved in this for her to be caught in the very act. So their, what should we call it, their, their lack of honesty is evidenced by what they did and who they brought. Uh, and, and the man apparently was left out of the equation. Well, that's going to have to do it as far as this particular program is concerned. We are thankful so very much for every one of you who listens. We encourage you to contact us at www.nkcofc.com and we'll do whatever we can to help you. Until the next time, thanks for listening.